And now we are in the book of Mark. And so today we are continuing to journey through the gospels. And I'm excited about this time that we spend together. Y'all, this is exciting. It's exciting because there are those of you right now who this may have been your first ride through the New Testament. This may have been your first journey through the New Testament. And so I'm excited. I'm excited that you're on this journey uh, with me. If you are here for the first time, and I'm sure those of you who are familiar with the Read and Rant podcast, those of you who are familiar with us online, you know what we do. We spend time in the reading of the word. Every morning we read for a few and then we rant for a few. We call this a rant because I ain't got nothing planned. I don't have anything prepared. I'm just here to hear what the Lord is saying and what he's speaking in the moment. And so we're posturing ourselves to receive from God today as we spend time in his word. So let's do that. We're going to pray and we're going to posture ourselves with three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that you're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And so today we're going to dig in. And we're going to see where the Lord leads. Father, I ask today as we spend time in your word, Lord, I pray that your love, your mercy, your grace, your will, your plan, Lord, that it all would be exposed to us in our time together in the word. Lord, I love that we get to do this, Lord, that we can come together, Lord, from different corners of the world, different parts of the sphere Lord, gather together, Lord, with the creative faculties that you've given mankind through technology to connect together. And so, Father, I just pray that as we spend time in this word, Lord, I pray that you would bless it, bless us, Lord, as we dig into Mark. Father, we pray that you would reveal your heart to us, reveal um, your will, strengthen us, encourage us, empower us, Lord, that we would be able to do all that you've called us to do. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter one, and it says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for remission of sins. Then all in the land of Judea, those in Jerusalem went to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit ascending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the spirit drove him into the wilderness and was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And he had gone a little farther from there. He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat 
with the hired servant, servants and went after him. Then they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout the region around Galilee. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. And he came, sorry. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door and they healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, having risen along Oh, sorry. Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that they may preach there also. Because for this purpose, I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed and strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, <laughs> but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction and again he entered Capernaum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them not even near the door and he preached the word to them and they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men and when they could not come near him because of the crowd. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when he had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Some of the scribes were sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. <laughs> Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they had reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you or to say arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic. I say to you, 
Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Then he went out again by the sea. And all the multitude came to him and taught, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to them, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When he heard it, he said to them, those who are well have a need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting and they came to him. Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Hmm. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts the new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now it happened that when he went through the grain fields of the Sabbath, as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And this Pharisee said to them, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some of those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Goodness gracious. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's read one more chapter. Oh, no. Jesus causing all kinds of trouble here. Verse 1, and he entered the synagogue again, and the man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the unwithered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart, he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he stretched, stretched it out, and his hand was restored as, a whole, as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out, immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, that they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem and Edumea, beyond the Jordan, and those of Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God but sternly watched them as they should not make him known. 
And he went up to the mountain and called to him those who he himself wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. Fun stuff. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the scribes came down from Jerusalem. He has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. <laughs> so he called them to himself and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against Israel, that house cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, sorry, sorry. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then he will plunder his house. <laughs> Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. Then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent, sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him. And they said, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around the circle and those who sat around him. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father is my sister and mother. Whoever does the will of my father is my sister and my brother, sister, and mother. Y'all already know where I'm at. I don't even need to, you guys already know where I'm at. I, I, I'm reading this and I'm going, can you give me four hours, please? <laughs> Can you give me four hours? Because Jesus is saying a mouthful and he's saying a mouthful in a few sentences and then he goes to the next mouthful and then he goes to the next mouthful and then he goes to the next mouthful. And I'm like, okay, I need, I just need 30 minutes just for the last part. Who is my mother or my brothers? Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father is my brother and my mother uh, and my sister. And I think this is the dynamic that, uh, th this is the counterculturalism of Christianity. If you can allow me to speak into this for a moment. And, 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 I, and I acknowledge that what I'm about to say is uh, culturally dangerous. Because we've been taught statements that aren't even statements themselves. Like, for example, blood is thicker than water. That's not actually the statement, but we use that statement anyways to shape a narrative that does not exist. A statement of family takes precedence over everything. DNA over everything. <laughs> Whereas what the statement is, thanks, Mike, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That sounds more like a Jesus statement. Of course, over time, culture tried to repurpose the, the quote 
to say that blood is thicker than water. That is not true, family. That statement to say blood is thicker than water <clears throat> is actually diminishing the truth of what the original statement said. It is the blood of the covenant that is thicker than the water of the womb. So many of us have attached ourselves to family in such a way that we miss out on the beauty and the power of what happens when Jesus fills someone with his spirit and joins them, grafts them into the family of God. And it's not to say that family is not important. Family is important. Don't get it twisted. I believe in that. I believe that God blesses through generations. I believe that God blesses through families. I believe in all of that. And family, sometimes, not only does God bless through generations and through families, but the enemy curses through generations and through families. Let me say it one more time. The enemy curses generations and families. And at times, when you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered from the bonds of the enemy, it may require you to separate yourself from your family. It may require you to break off from your family. I don't want to spend, spend too much time on this because this will make a lot of people, a lot of folks uncomfortable because I've found that there are people who will choose their non-believing, toxic family members over the family of God who Christ has brought them into one and into union with. And then they question and wonder why they find themselves spiritually oppressed and find themselves spiritually constricted, suffocating, find themselves not able to really grow in the grace. Well, it's because you chose to stick yourself inside of an oxygen-less place instead of to commit yourself to a place that has vibrancy in life. And I've seen so many people who come alive in their relationship with Jesus Christ, who are growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ, and then afterwards, you know, they're guilted by their family members. And what they do is, is that they pull away from the family of God and then find their way back into the family that suffocated the spirit of God that was breathing through them. Because of course, society and culture tells you, no, how do you choose your church family or the family of God over your own family. This is why when we speak about the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit does, we have been by the grace of God adopted into the family of God. We've all become brothers and sisters. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Jesus is saying to them, that mom, I love you. You know, I love my brothers as well. But you want to ask who my family is? What takes precedence are those who do the will of God. Those are who I consider my family. And for many of you, God is choosing you, has set you aside, inspired you by his spirit to be the curse breaker in your family. But to do so, you have to break away from your family. Do you not find it surprising that Jesus was kicked out of his hometown? I'm sorry, I'm sitting on here. I'm supposed to leave from this part, but here I am sitting on this part because where we, where we find flourishing in life and community and connection to grow accountability. As a pastor, I can tell you that it is it, it, it can be frustrating for me 
I've I've had I've had times where I'm I'm slightly frustrated <laughs> with with members of of the body of Christ who come to me and say, Pastor, I'm going through X, Y, and Z, or I'm dealing with this issue, or I'm dealing with that issue, or I have this sin problem and I'm confronting it and I need help. And I tell them, well, you need to find yourself around brothers and sisters, disciples, people who actually have committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to give them precedence over your, to give them and their word precedence over the word of the others who are around you. You need to step out of your toxic environments. You got to step out of your toxic spaces and step into these new spaces, these new places that God is calling you to and allow these people to pour in life, to impart the spirit that has been given, the spirit of grace that has been given to them on you. You need to find people who who, who are serving under the lordship and authority of Jesus Christ. And you know what they'll say? They'll say, you know, I have. I say, great. Now that you found that, what have they said? Well, they've said, don't do this, do this, don't do that. They've prayed for me about this. They prayed for me about that. And I say, great. You need to continue to grow with them. Let them hold you accountable. If, you, if you're sinning, confess your sins to your brothers and sisters so that you may be healed. Isn't it interesting? We don't need to confess our sins to a priest to be forgiven because we are forgiven. We have been forgiven already. Christ died on the cross. We receive the remission and the forgiveness of sins, but we need to still confess our sins with our brothers and sisters who we trust and are in covenant with. Why? So that we may be healed. Do you know why a lot of people still struggle? I'm sorry. This is, I don't know why I'm in full blown rant. I, I was okay, Lord, we'll just go this way. Do you, do you want to know why a lot of people still struggle with sin issues? Do you want to know why a lot of people still have persistent toxicity in their life, even though Jesus paid it all for them? Because they haven't found a place to confess their sins. Because while your sins, while you may be forgiven of your sins, you must confess your sins so that you may be healed. Now I'm I'm wide, I, I get it. Don't go to some random because not everybody in church is a Christian. We get that, okay? <laughs> not everybody in church is a Christian. I get that. I completely understand that. Okay. And so I'm not here to tell you that. Okay. I'm not here to say, go to, go to whoever at your church and just tell them all your mess and tell them all the stuff. No, but you need to find brothers and sisters in covenant who have the spirit of God, who understand the grace of God and have the wisdom of God to be tough on you, to hold you accountable, but to love you and to love you deeply, to love you deeply. And so I say all of this family, because there are many of us here. That's actually what God is telling us to do is to separate because those same brothers and sisters that I speak to and I have conversation with, they'll say, yeah, pastor, I understand. And then they go back to their family and say, well, you know, I mean, it's family, man. <laughs> it's family. And I go, wait, what? I mean, blood is thicker than water, Pastor. Blood is thicker than water. No, it is not thicker than water. <laughs> it is not thicker than water. Oh, y'all tripping on the chat here. You guys are lit over here. I'm just not looking at the chat. I'm over here ranting and I'm looking at the chat. Y'all just lit over here. And so Jesus proves a very powerful point which I'm telling you right now, I come from a Caribbean family. Um, I, you know, I have a Caribbean background, okay? And the Caribbean family is first. Family is first. Um, and, and, I, and I say this in all sincerity, that many people, even in my context that I've seen, the reason why they're still in bondage is because they've chosen family over a body of believers. And so fam, don't let that be you. 
You need to find a family that you can be in covenant with, that you can be accountable to, that you can grow with, that won't go easy on you because they love you, but also won't shame and condemn you. Why? Because they love you. They'll be tough on you, but they're not going to, you know, they're they're not going to judge you either. Not in that way. Are y'all hearing me, family? And so, yes, even as we grow together, and it's something that I've been journeying through as I've been reflecting on what's next for our online community, because I believe that God wants to do something powerfully through this online community. If you guys don't know, I have uh, an online church, an online ministry that we've started that we're about to, you know, it's about to blossom into what we've been praying about and what we envision for it to be. And this year is the year that we're looking to to have it blossom into what we intend for it to be. But what it is, is a community. It's a family. And maybe we are all online, but we are a family. And maybe what you need right now is not someone who's going to coddle you in whatever patterns and habits you have, but maybe you need a family of people who will connect with you who will love you deeply, but love you enough as well to hold you accountable. Who will love you deeply and say, I'm not going to judge you right now because you have an alcohol issue. I'm not going to judge you. Okay? I love you, but we got to challenge you on this. Or they see some toxic habits in your dating, in your relationship. Or they see, they're not judging you, but they love you. And it's through this grace and this love that you'll find transformation and you'll also find sanctification. We are sanctified together by the washing of the spirit. Another thing I will say, and it's just a little, again, I'm all, I'm in full blown rant, but we're going to get to Ephesians, right? And Ephesians chapter two, it says he quickened us together in him. That means that coming to life wasn't just a singular or personal thing. It was a corporate thing. It was a corporate thing. You've heard me say this as well. It is anything that frustrates me about people who, who deal with persistent sin. People who are dealing with persistent sin, understand this. I'm not going to judge you because I know the propensity I have in my heart to be sinful. Okay? No judgment at all. But if you see someone who knows Jesus get tough on you, but with the love of Jesus, you'll understand where the root of their frustration is. The root of the frustration is not, man, you're doing all this nasty stuff. Okay. I'm done with that. That's, that's, that's elementary stuff. Okay. That's, that's people who think small and think elementary. I ain't got time for that. Okay. Because if Jesus paid it all, he paid for your sins, he died for your sins, then let's stop talking this elementary stuff. Let's talk, let's talk meat for a second. Let's talk gospel for a second. Let's talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ for a second. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to restore our identity in him. When mankind was created, mankind was created with the authority of God. We've been created as imagers of God with authority and with power. We were were, were brought to the earth to have dominion and authority over it. This is why when Jesus leads, he says, all authority I've given you. So you have to understand that when you know who you are in Christ and you have authority in Christ, it's when you know someone's capacity and to see them not live up to that capacity. Not because they're not good enough, but because they, there's something that they don't see. I've always said this: sin is a consequence. If you're sinning today, it's a consequence of spiritual ignorance. Not spiritual stupidity. There's some of that too. But spiritual ignorance. What do I mean by that? There's something you don't know yet. It's something you haven't, hasn't been revealed to you yet. There's something you have yet to see. There's something you need to see because if you saw it, you would see that you have authority and power over it. 
the enemy has no power over you. Let me say that one more time. The enemy has no power over you. And maybe what it takes is to be around some believers who walk in the love and the authority of God, who walk in the grace of God, who will love you like crazy no matter what you do, but who will challenge you like crazy because they know that God has more in store for you. And maybe God's calling you to a season where you have to step away from family. <laughs> right? Well, you have to step away because your family is bringing you down. One, one last note on that, and then I'll get to my point, even if I don't have enough time to get to fully to get to the point, because there's so, ma- so many things. Look at that. I told you, I could go through each, each and every one of these and like sit on it. Just sit on it and just reflect on it. <laughs> what if Jesus never broke away from his family? Just think about it for a second. If Jesus never broke away from his immediate earthly family, if Jesus never broke away from his immediate earthly family, Jesus would still be in Galilee. He would be in Nazareth. He'd be making tables and chairs because that's the family business. Did you hear me, family? You ever notice that I call you guys fam all the time? There's a reason why I call you fam all the time because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus would have just been a carpenter with power and potential, but none of it ever realized because he doesn't want to get mommy mad. Ooh, I hope I did not step on any toes, or maybe I did. And if I did for the glory of Christ, then give God glory for that. Then give God glory for that. But maybe you need to step away from your family in order to see healing in your family. Maybe you've been wasting your time trying to be something for your family that you cannot be. You cannot save your family. Only Jesus can. And maybe just asking you to step away so that he can do what he does through your family. And maybe he will use you. But maybe you got to step out of the sauce first. I'm sorry, y'all. I know I'm digging in. But we got to get past this this whole blood thicker than water thing. We really have to get out of that. Blood thicker than water is what's killing a lot of our African-American churches, our Caribbean churches. I've seen it. I've seen blood. Blood is thicker than water. Keep people from growing in their relationship with Christ. Oh, Lord Jesus. What is going on today, Isaac? Maybe it's the lack of sleep, y'all. I tell you, when you when I lose some hours, when I lose some hours, it's just I just now I I can only trust in the spirit. <laughs> I can only trust for the spirit to flow in the moment because uh, this ain't brain power at all. This is the spirit flowing through it. If you notice here, Jesus. It is anything that you notice that's happening here in our reading of the text is that Jesus is breaking tradition. He's breaking every tradition that has been used to oppress and not liberate. He is he is taking all the Jewish traditions that we find in the Mosaic law. And we've talked about this before. We read the Mosaic law often as if it's a law that we need to follow. And so Jesus is taking all these traditions 
and he's imposing his will on them. He's breaking tradition. Somebody sent me a funny uh, TikTok yesterday on this, and I figured I'll share it now. Somebody sent me a funny TikTok. They said that um, traditions, said that this was that my, my child, my son told me, somebody who said this in the video, said, hey guys, my son just told me something that I can't get my mind off of. My son told me that traditions are just peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> I said, I had to sit there and think for a second. I was like, wait, hold on, wait. <laughs> I mean, kids say the darndest things, don't they? <laughs> why do we do this? Because we've always done this. Okay, but but why? Because we've done this from generation to generation to generation. They say, wait, what? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, mom, you know what I think? I think, I think, I think this is, this is peer pressure from people that don't even live anymore. He <laughs> said tradition is peer pressure from dead people. My body broke for, for like, for like, for a good 30 seconds. I had to look. Wait, he's going somewhere with this. It's not to say there's anything wrong with tradition, okay? There's some beautiful things about tradition. There's some things that generations pass down from generation to generation to generation, which are great. There are things that we don't need to do, uh, that we don't need to learn because the generation before us learned it. That's the purpose of history. We learn what they did before us so that we don't repeat it. But we learn also what they did before us that we should repeat and that has dignity and value and can shape us and mold us. So tradition, there are beautiful things about tradition, but we have to always continue to assess every one of those traditional habits and patterns and ask ourselves, why do we do it? What's the purpose of it? <laughs> wow, what's the purpose? Pass down the AP is not the alcoholism. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll take the Ippies. Dad, you can keep the alcoholism. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so we have to learn to accept and to to enjoy and to take down what was beautiful in the generations before us. But we have to continue to assess as things are being passed down. Why? We do them. Not, we don't do things because it's what we've always done. But we have to always assess what is beautiful about this? What is the value of this? How is Christ glorified in this? What is the purpose? Does this point to Christ? Does this give glory to Christ? And here's the thing. In our churches today, we have traditions that we do. We don't even know why we do them. Israel has been following traditions for centuries now. By the time Jesus has arrived, Israel, they follow the Mosaic law, and yet they don't even know the law. They don't even understand the law. They don't know the purpose of the law. And so the traditions, when people don't understand them, are imposed by those who do not have power sorry, are imposed by those who have been given power on those who do not have power to continue to manipulate and to oppress them. So traditions then are used as a means of bondage, as a mechanism of slavery, spiritual, emotional, psychological, economic, physical, all of it. And so we, we have these traditions or these laws and these rules that are passed down and wonder who are the ones who get to really enjoy them? To whose benefit are they? To whose glory are they? Case in point, the Sabbath. Case in point, the food laws. Case in point, all these laws and Jesus coming in saying, let's deal with these traditions because apparently you don't understand the law and the purpose of the law. And so Jesus said some things that, that, that really shook him up. 
Jesus is like, I'm just going to walk into the Sabbath here and I'm just going to go ahead and uh, do some work. So Jesus healed on the Sabbath. They were breaking food laws and, and they were upset. This is what we saw in Mark chapter two and Mark chapter three. What, what, what's going on here? Jesus was pointing out that, that this, is, this is the consequence of legalism. Legalism as we have traditionally defined it. Legalism is used by those who are in power to oppress those who are beneath them. So they establish a set of rules, not to set you free, but to impose their will. And so Jesus had to tell them, well, what was the purpose of the Sabbath? The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was for us, not used as a means to oppress us. It wasn't meant to enchain us. It was meant to free us. Maybe you forgot the purpose of the Sabbath tradition and the Sabbath laws. They were instituted so that the people would have a day to rest. Because all y'all fools in the government and in the institutions would force people to work nonstop. And so because you'll force people to work nonstop, God is instituting a law. And this law is to make sure that these people have a day to rest. Instituted by God. The Sabbath was made for man. <laughs> the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. You got that backwards. So now when the Sabbath is expedient to you to impose your power. Jesus is coming in and saying, oh, no, 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 no. This was meant to free them, not enslave them. I got a man who's sick right now. I got a man who's sick. So you know what? I'm going to heal him because the Sabbath shouldn't stop me from setting him free. Remember, we said this, that Jesus iterated this. Iterating from Hosea chapter six, verse six. He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. But we're so busy on sacrifice that we miss mercy. What does it look like to follow Jesus? It's not following, ooh, ready for this? The Bible. It's to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. That's how the Old Testament ends. The Old Testament ends with, this is what it's like to follow God. This is what it's like to follow Jesus. It's not following a bunch of rules. Do you love mercy? Do you seek justice? Do you walk humbly? before God. The Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Free yourself from legalism. Free yourself from the rules and the laws. Free yourself from, I got to do this because the Bible said to do that. Let me tell you something right now. It's something that I, you know, Anybody who's done Bible study, they get frustrated and say, so pastor, so what, what's okay? Is it okay to do X or is it okay to do Y? What does the Bible say about tattoos? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? And I go, wait, hold on. So, so now you see the scriptures as a set of rules. You see the Old Testament as a set of rules, but you missed the whole point. You missed the whole point of the scripture. None of that matters. And Jesus is saying, the Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. 
You're not slave to the Sabbath. The Sabbath exists for you. So yes, people will pick and choose parts. And what's funny about it is that they're, they're dead set on the Sabbath, but apparently all the other laws don't matter. Let's read through the Levitical laws. It looks like the other ones don't matter. Caring for the sick and the poor, that didn't seem to matter. Caring for the widows, that didn't seem to matter. Oh, but you better pay the temple tax because they still need to pad their pockets and prostrate their power. Oh, man. I'm in full-blown rant, and I didn't get to my last... My, I'll get to my last point. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't even know what I'm going to title this. Somebody help me. Somebody help me, because I don't even have a title for this one. Um, <coughs> car rant. Car rant. Jesus enters into human reality. And Mark, if you notice, Matthew takes his time. Mark does not. Mark, Mark does not have time to waste. Mark just goes from one thing to the other thing, to the other thing, to the other thing, to the other thing. And he's just like, boom, next one, boom, next one, boom, next one. Notice the word that is said over and over and over again in this text. It's one of the most used words in the book of Mark, and it's the word immediately, 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 immediately. This was the tonality of the text because there was a sense of urgency in the book of Mark. Mark was urgent to speak about what the manifestation of the kingdom looked like. This is what Jesus is doing. He's healing and immediately, immediately. So we see all this, but the one thing I want to slow down on and I'm going to leave you with is this question about fasting. The traditions. I like traditions are dead. I like that one. Um, I like uh, blood is, uh, the blood of the covenant. I like that as well. Um, the blood of the covenant or covenant blood is thicker than water. I like that as well. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'll post this later. So we'll see. I'll post this right away on Patreon later this afternoon. Um, but I want to leave you with the last tradition before we close. And it's a tradition of fasting. Jesus teaches us why we fast here. I've had Christians who feel guilty because, you know, uh, they feel like they don't fast enough. You, fasting should be a regular activity. You should regularly fast. And also fasting is not withholding from the internet. That's, that's taking time away from the internet. So don't, don't do that. Um, fasting is withholding from food. Simple, simple as that. Um, now you could have different kinds of food and, you know, you know, and you can say, Hey, I want to restrict myself from certain types of food. Um, that that's a diet. It's a type of diet, but it's not a fast. Okay. A fast is withholding, um, entirely from food. So if you're still eating food, you're not really fasting. That makes sense. And I know it's a common thing for people to have, uh, you know, to host a, a Daniel fast at the beginning of the year. And it's good because I think there's a discipline there, you know, that we are disciplining ourselves to realign ourselves for the year and to focus and to make sure we give God precedence um, over our year. That's great. It's not really a fast. Okay. Um, but it's good that we discipline ourselves in that way. A fast is withholding from food. Okay. Um, <clears throat> with that being said, and it could be for a period of time. So if you want to fast for half the day, you fast for half the day. You want to fast for an entire day, fast for an entire day. You want to fast for three days, you can fast for three days. Of course, you need to mature in that. Here's what I mean by that. Most people who fast, fast for the wrong reasons. What I mean by that is some people will fast. They fast because, you know, they're praying about something and they want God to respond concerning the thing that they're praying about. So they're going to fast to evoke a response from God. No, that's not why we fast. <laughs> okay. Uh, anybody who teaches that to you, they got it wrong. Okay. It's not why you fast. God is not some kind of, you know, uh, you know, some kind of vending machine where you put in your fasting tokens and then you come out and get a response. Okay. That is not a fast. 
Some fast because they actually don't know why they fast. They fast because, you know, that's what we do. I mean, we just have to fast. Well, then why are you fasting? I mean, I guess that's a good diet. And some, some people say, well, I felt closer to God. Well, that may be a consequence of it because the purpose of fasting is that. If you notice, the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees were fasting. We're cool with the disciples of John. We like them. But the, but the Pharisees as well were fasting. So fasting can be done by people who believe in Jesus and by people who are legalistic, who Jesus wants no affiliation with. Notice the Pharisees were fasting. And Jesus wanted no affiliation with them. And then the pride. When they came up and said, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples don't fast. You hear the pride in that? Like, I'm a better faster than you. We fast, but you don't fast. Waste of time. And what does Jesus respond to them with? Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. So there were those who fasted because it was the tradition of fasting. It was something they did. And so fasting was seen as a traditional practice rather than a spiritual endeavor. And Jesus is breaking that tradition of fasting to say, y'all fast for no reason, but because the ones before you fasted. But this is why the disciples will fast. Because the time will come when they will fast. That time's not now. Why? Because I'm here. They're with me. There's no need for them to fast. The God of the universe has poured out into flesh. The scriptures tell us in Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Can you just think about that? The fullness of God, the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. They had God, the fullness of God in the flesh. He wasn't part God. He wasn't, you know, God light. He wasn't mini God. He wasn't, you know, bootleg God. He wasn't any of that. This is the fullness of God. He's all God. And he's in the flesh and he's sitting there with them, dwelling with them. Why do they need to fast? They don't. They don't need to fast because they're in the presence of God. They don't need to fast because they have the fullness of the presence of God with them. But the day will come when he will leave and he's not physically present that they will need to fast. And so when that day comes, they will fast. But right now, they don't. So when people ask, why do we fast? You fast as a means of intimacy with God. You fast to get closer to God. You fast to grow in relationship with God. You fast so that you are near him. Draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. The purpose of fasting is for relationship, not for anything else. The consequence of fasting is you may get deeper insight. When you're closer to God, you have clarity because you're hearing God's will, not yours. When you're closer to God, you hear his voice clear. When you get closer to God, but all those things are the consequences of that. 
but you should desire to fast simply to get closer to him. That's it. That's it. It's to get closer to him. <laughs> Not to lose weight. It's said to be a wish list to be answered. Goodness gracious. I'm going to copy paste that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> I'm stealing that. If anybody knows fasting is not a great weight loss plan. But oh my goodness, it's a great plan to get close to God. Fasting was not, you know, you weren't made for fasting. Fasting was made for you. We're breaking traditions. We're breaking mindsets. We're breaking generational mindsets generational curses, generational patterns. We're walking into a new identity, one in Christ, one that walks in freedom, one that says, I'm here because of the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that draws me closer and closer and closer to him. The grace of God does that. So for anyone who's been asking about fasting, that's, that's the short answer. That's a short answer for you. I'll give you a, another slight point, And I think it's important to point this out. Don't also say to yourself, well, I want to be completely like in God and God in me. So I'm going to fast for the next 30 days. It takes maturity. You got to grow in maturity in Christ. So I'm just going to give you some advice because I think it's important. I usually do this just on discord. If we're doing like a, in-depth thing, but I guess it's going to end up being on the podcast, I guess. But um, I'll say this. If you are just getting started, fast for half a day. Don't push yourself to go for a week and say, I'm getting close to God because your body is not prepared for that and your mind is not prepared for that. Ready? I'm about to I, I, I'm about to say something that's gonna sound a little bit reckless, but this is gonna help you, okay? If you're fasting and all you're thinking about is the food you haven't eaten yet, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Don't waste your time. This is not for guilt, it's not guilting you. You just haven't grown into it yet. Okay? So if you're fasting and all you're thinking about is, man. Oh, goodness gracious. I see all this food all around me. Oh, my gosh. And I want to eat this food so bad. And, oh, uh, okay, fam, you, you, you're killing yourself for no reason. Okay. You're not growing in your relationship with God if, if, if you're, if you're just thinking about your, the food that you're not eating. Okay. So don't waste your time. Grow in it. Let me tell you when you know you've grown in your fasting. When you're without food and you still feel filled. When you're without food and you feel refreshed. When you're without food and you don't feel burdened or weighed down, but you feel like, wow, God is pouring into me. I'm seeing things and I'm growing deeper in him. When you're without food and you're killing yourself, you're not growing spiritually there. You could be killing your body, but you're not growing spiritually. Okay. So start small. Maybe you could only fast for half a day. Some of you have medical conditions. Maybe you cannot do multi-day fasting, but pick up, you know, take breakfast off and just pray. I promise you, when you start doing that and you go, wow, I just feel you eat your lunch, but you're like, you know, I just, I, I'm okay. I, I'm not stressing about it because I've, and then you grow into it. As you grow, the Lord will grow you into a one day fast. He'll grow you into that. He'll grow you into a three day fast. Don't force yourself into this. Just seek his face. Okay. Just seek his face. Okay, family? I love y'all. I am way over it. I told you, if I sit and rant on each one of these statements that Jesus made, I, we'd be here forever. And I ain't got it 
today to hang. But I thank you all. I love you guys very much. God bless you guys again. Um, I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be in prayer. Um, invite people to come through. Uh, invite people to join us as well in prayer. Um, thank you, Asia, for mentioning that. Um, do not just run into fasting without consulting your doctor. I will say this for many folks, don't go into a one day fast if you're not spiritually or physically ready for it. You need to prepare yourself for that. Okay. Um, anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow. We'll spend time in prayer on discord and thank you guys. Those of you who support also invite people to come and join and support. I thank you guys as well for those who are scholarshiping people. We're going to be assessing that today. Um, I'm just catching up because last week was bananas, but I'm glad to be back and I love you guys and I will see you guys tomorrow. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you for this moment, this time, Lord. Uh, we seal it with your spirit, Lord. We mark this moment, Lord, with your spirit and we thank you for bringing us together, Lord, just to chat, just to have a time in your word and a time together. Father, bless us today as we reflect on this word. Let's be reminded uh, Lord, that there are chains that are being broken, traditions that are being broken, or things that have been imposed that are being broken, and to be confident to know, Lord, that you are ushering us into a, an era of grace in our lives, Lord, that we can trust in your grace and that we can grow in your grace and grow in your awareness and grow in the awareness of your presence in our lives, Father. Teach us to seek you, to chase after you, to desire you, and we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.